Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? I am doing well. Happy New Year, Bruce. We're we're just about done the 2010s. Whoever thought that would... I never imagined the 2010s even coming. So here they are and they're gone. On to the 2020s. The Roaring Twenties. The Roaring Twenties. <laughs> That'll be a better decade for Oilers fans than the one that just just. That finished. is a that is a safe prediction, Bruce. Because that is. is, although you know the Oilers won more playoff series in the tens than other, some other Canadian teams. Apparently, uh, I didn't do the math, but uh, that's what I heard. So, um, yeah, I, Bruce, heard the, I heard the same thing actually. Now that you mention it, so. Uh, it was a quite a roaring, thrilling, exciting oh. game, uh, and also one that totally reminded Edmonton Oilers fans of just how defensively undisciplined and weak this team can be. They had a six-one, they had a six-nothing lead heading into the last minute of the second period. And although this isn't my bad thing, Bruce Gaetan Haas with that turnover. That kind of mental error, like, again, all he has to do is control the puck. All you got to do is control the puck against the boards, get a face-off down there last minute of the period, and it's 6 nothing at the end of the period. And what do you do? You give it away. You throw it into the middle, you give it away, and they come down the ice and they score. Thank you, Gaetan Haas, for the mental error that kicked up, foreshadowing for that horrendous third period. Bruce, this is our two good things, two numbers, two bad things podcast, and I just snuck in another bad thing. I'm sure we'll be doing that all podcast tonight. Because the bad things are so in this game, but uh, yeah. bad things so fresh on our minds, yeah. including possible injuries to both Koskinen and Clefbaum. Bruce, what's your good thing tonight? Well, I'm going to have to go with the real deal, James Neal, with the hat trick on home ice, and uh, including the the beauty goal, 11 seconds into the into the first period to turn around last game. Remember last game, Calgary scored at 11 second mark, yeah. and yeah. the game was basically over. Edmonton never got back in the game, and tonight. Same thing happened. Edmonton scored early. They took command of the game, and New York never... Oh, wait a minute. New York did get back in the game because they actually kept playing after they got behind. There's a, there's a lesson for you. Uh, uh, this is one of those wins, David. I'm so frustrated right now. Uh, it feels like a 10-bell disaster, and they won the game, but uh, they won it in a style uh, unbecoming. Of a do, you know what, do you know what 10 bells means? Uh, Oh, with the a, fire, it's how many fire. it's how many fire stations you have to call. So one bell per fire station. So right. if you need ten bells, you actually have to call ten fire stations ten to put out that fire. Trucks. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, that was and, one, it was that kind of a fire. It reminded me of the infamous Laurent Brassois game in Calgary uh, a few years ago, where a six-two lead became a six-five lead on I think three grade B chances. Well, there but wasn't. This was actually that, some ways though, worse than that because the whole were, team fell asleep and fell apart. Koskinen was not uh, really. I had him oops, to blame on I'm one. Getting ahead of my, I'm getting ahead of myself. My good thing, James. Yeah, you, yeah, you started. You just hands. going off on bad things. Please. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, that, it's ancient. Like it seems like a year ago that the Oilers scored all their goals, and then the the last half of the game was just. It almost Torture. is a year ago. Wait a yeah. few more minutes. Um, okay. Yeah. Anyway, Neil. Neil, good. Good finishing hands. Eleven seconds into the first period, and then he followed up with uh, uh, a goal on a nifty deflection uh, that um, uh, 
seemed to solidify the lead, and then he buried one, uh, the 5 nothing goal on the extra bonus power play given to us by the bonehead uh, Rangers coach who blew a gasket on the bench and gave Edmonton a free power play on which they scored. So when the Rangers coach is looking for who to blame for this one, uh, no doubt he'll be spitting fire at the refs, but uh, he might have to visit his mirror at some point because uh, his loss of composer really cost his team, it turned out. There's times when I really like Alex Chason's kind of uh, determination on the power play, mm-hmm. but overall, Bruce, I have to say, Neil's hands are still special. And I just think if it's, a, I just tend to think it's a mistake to go away from him. And I know they do now and then they want to get Chase on going. And of course they benched him tonight. They, right? use, them, they use them both when they're both in the lineup. Yeah, they I they just, shift them off halfway through the power play because I don't I, think either guy is good for the whole two minutes. Like yeah, that could, that, and that could be. I really like Neil. I mean, we saw it again. That third goal was a thing of beauty. He hasn't scored many goals like that this year. Most have been about like from five inches from the goal line. But he really fired that one, so that was a fantastic goal. He, I think he got an assist, didn't he, as well? Um, yes, he got three goals, uh, one assist for a big four-point night. And uh, this a this happened for him. This happened, Bruce, just as some Flames fans were getting up the courage to say that the that the uh, uh, Flames had won the Lucic for Neil deal. I was starting to see that online. Flames fans kind of broaching that, you know, looking at Neil's plus minus and. And putting that out there, but uh, I can't say I ever bought that notion, um, having watched Milan Lucic for the last two years. All right, my good thing, I thought Connor McDavid's two-way play was exemplary tonight. Um, they really needed, they really need, you know, it, Bruce, it looks like they're committed. They're, 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 when you put R&H, Dreisaitl, and McDavid all at center, what you're saying to them is like, I think what he's saying is, I can't read Dave Tippett's minds, and he's never said this in words, but what I'm thinking is like, okay, focus on defense, play center, cover that defensive slot, get your get the job done, and because um, we're leaking, all three of you guys are leaking goals against there, and McDavid was just really strong tonight, worked hard, played like a captain tonight, um, pretty much shut down defense in his own zone. We didn't, I didn't find him at fault on any of the grade A chances against. I don't think he came that close. There might have been one close one. Um, but um, where the puck went through Kreider. But he was strong both ways, and um, he didn't uh, wasn't a big part of the huge offensive fireworks, although he made a super play on Neil's third goal. But I just really liked that two-way game. And and this Oilers team, if they get some good health from, from Koskinen, Ethan Bear, and McDavid, I think they can make the playoffs. But it's going to take... McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Nugent Hopkins to really clamp down on the defensive slot, really make that their top priority. And this team can make the playoffs, I believe. But that's not going to happen if they don't. And what did we see early in the game? But we saw Leon Dreisaitl late on a rush and a five-bell five chance for, I can't remember exactly who it was on the Rangers. Just give me one second. Early in the first period, because Dreisaitl was late on the check and uh, Koskinen saved the Oilers' bacon. So... Um, Leon was again minus two, so um, he, I didn't see him at, at fault on anything, but he was at fault on that chance by Brett Howden of the Rangers, it was. And um, so they've just, and Nuge was at fault. The game was seemed over, but he was at fault. He was out there, part of the sequences of pain on a couple goals against in the third period. So um, good for McDavid not doing that and being part of the uh, good news story in a 7-5 win 
uh, which uh, was a huge win for this team, obviously. What's your bad thing, Bruce? Uh, well, I kind of got to go with uh, the general loss of composure and focus of the team. Uh, they had they had a meltdown. This happens. This happens a disturbing amount. Uh, how the last minute, half minute of a period, no matter what the score is, plus or minus, and the last half minute of the period is an absolute fire drill in, in Edmonton's territory. And the first period ended like that. And then the second period ended with a goal with 25 seconds left. And then the third period was like, well, this game's in the bag, so let's not, you know, let's start thinking about conserving our energy for, for the next win or something. I don't know. I mean, this is a team on a, they're on a zero-game winning streak at this point. This game's not over, but they were, like, they lost so many battles. They, they spent so much of the time in, in the third period in their own zone. And generating nothing, I think the only scoring chance they had in the third period was the empty net goal. And, uh, you know, obviously Rangers were pushing at that point. But uh, there, uh, I mean, there was one play where the puck was literally two feet inside Edmonton's blue line. And three different players had a chance to, to chip it out and none of them got it done. And it was like, uh, all of a sudden... There were, anytime they focused in on some oiler, it would be the deer in the headlights look. And this is not a confident team. I mean, man, if you can't take a 6 nothing lead and nurse it to the finish line, then there's something seriously wrong. And t- tonight, I mean, and unfortunately, part of the problem was after they had plays where they couldn't clear their own zone, that's when the potentially two injuries happened. And if either one of these injuries is real, the team's in trouble. Uh, one of them was uh, 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 Nico Koskinen uh, making a save on a near-in deflection by sweeping his leg through. And I said to my wife at the time, I said, you know, he's hurt. He looks hurt to me. And he couldn't stop a beach ball after that. So that was a, that was a problem. And then, uh, of course, uh, Oscar, after another extended fire drill in Edmonton's territory, he, he, uh, he blocks a shot in a, in a sore spot and off he goes. And, you know, I mean, that that's the price you pay sometimes when you, you know, when you play all the game in your own end and there's, you know, pucks getting fired around there. Or, you know, let's, let's, uh, let's get this thing under control. Let's win some battles. Let's get it out to center. Let's shoot it in without icing it. You know, some of the basics. If Koskinen is hurt, uh, you know, I, I think part of the reason Mike Smith has been playing so poorly is he got hurt, I think. Yeah, he, he... I think he got dinged up in November, and that's when he's been playing poorly since then. So we, Koskinen, has been, Koskinen has been a good starting goal in the NHL, I think. I don't know what his save percentage is right now, but um, won't, won't, won't help tonight. Although it was looking good for a while, they're shutout territory. Thank you, Gaytan Haas. Um, until, until things started to fall apart. And, uh, but he's absolutely, you know, is there a more vital player in a way? Like, you, there's just no one else you can throw out there. If McDavid gets hurt, you can put Dreisaitl and Nugent Hopkins at 1-2 at center. If Clefbaum gets hurt, if he's out, we'll have Nurse and we'll have, you know, um, Chris Russell, Caleb Jones, William Lagerson. There's a number of, and then, you know, the right side is also okay. They can kind of weather that a little bit, but Koskinen, like, there's just nobody. They'd have to make a trade right away or they'd be done. So hope, hoping he's okay, you know. But Bruce, this, these mental, this this collapse of the team, we got nothing to worry about, man. We got uh, they 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 uh, finally figured it out. They got Kyler Yamamoto up from the AHL. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, they had him out there in the last minute of the game. And he he knew how to do it. He knew how to get it done like no other oiler has got it done. And how many how many decades has it been since an oiler scored an empty net goal? And here he came, the Messiah. <laughs> well, I'll take that back. But the hockey Messiah scoring a uh, scoring an empty net goal and saving his team. Well, it's not so much the empty net goal. It's a play he made to take the panner and cross slot pass right out of the air and take it down and under control. And then have the presence of mind to chip it to Kara, who in his own way had the presence of mind to chip a decent pass back so that uh, neither one of them was sort of taking a wild stab at the empty net. And in the end, it was, you know, Yamamoto was able to walk it in. But two things. Number one, he's on the ice at all in that situation, playing his first game in the NHL all season. Uh, it tells you, it tells me that Dave Tippett trusts him more than Sam Gagne at this point. Let's put it that way. Uh, anyway, uh, one thing that I wrote on Twitter yesterday, and I'm going to have to go and find and and uh, 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 blow my own trumpet, is uh, I talked about how Yamamoto has a great defensive stick, meaning uh, he's always impressed me with his ability to get a stick on passes, stick in the lane, stick on shots being able to chip pucks out of danger. And uh, he certainly showed it on that play. And that was crucial. And, I mean, even then there was like a minute and seven to go. And I'm saying to, to my wife, you think it's safe? I mean, it's only a two-goal lead. And there's still like, anyway. It's, uh, but it was, that was a huge play. And this was a game where Edmonton needed an empty net goal, you know, because it was otherwise it was going to be, you know, it was going to come down to some big chance or chances. That was huge because it kind of it was huge. It was kind of everyone's feeling good now because the rookie got a goal and kind of you know the they the teams do need to feel good about themselves too and the Oilers haven't been feeling too good lately so that'll help a little bit and if Yamamoto can play I mean he he uh, looked, he looked okay. good he looked, he looked good. good I gave him a seven I liked him on the score check and I, I liked his speed and he was all around the puck and you know I, like I don't the idea. he had a lot of great chances in fact. Just one uh, other. Yeah, he's had that great only shot. Had three, three shots, four hits, a takeaway. I mean, he was involved in the game. Yeah, I, I like the idea That's of that line. Set of numbers. Dreisaitl and two fast guys. You know, that might work. Um, if they, especially, you know, they're both... I, I think Yamamoto's a really smart player. And I, I like Nyquist. I think he's a, a good player. I like everything yeah. about him, but except they don't know how to pronounce his name yet. But you other know? than that... <laughs> Nyquist, that's right. I always... That was my first mistake. Uh, I always get him confused with Gustav Nyquist, but it's yeah. uh, Joachim Nygaard. So I'll figure that out. I'm, I'm pulling the, the full Don Cherry there, Bruce. Um, <laughs> my bad thing was <laughs> the defensive play of Ryan Nugent Hopkins' line. And, 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 and Nuge wasn't the primary culprit, although he was a culprit on two sequences of pain. San Gagne. Man, wow. That is a... That's a third period uh, video that he probably wants. He's going to sneak into the video room tonight and, and erase the uh, all the, the players or whatever. I don't think you can do that anymore. But uh, wow. Uh, so the first, on one, the, the first one, the first one, Russell moves up to take the guy and Gagne oh, yeah. doesn't recognize that. And he lets the guy go right to the net, right open. And, and you know what, Russell, he made an okay play. Someone had to go get I think it was Panarin. Someone had to go get that guy. He got him. So, Gagne, you've got to fill in. You've got to then switch, f- switch and take that guy going to the net. He didn't, and the guy scores. Um, the, 
I can't remember. So the the other the third one, which was the fifth goal from the Rangers, was Gagne losing his stick. And then the other one was just him allowing a cross-team pass. He was part of a group of players, group of three players. That's right. Nugent, Nugent Hopkins, Larson, and himself allowed a cross-team pass. And Neil had made a bad line change, so Kara was coming in late. And bam, that was the third Rangers goal. So Sam Gagne, like, ah, you could say that the last of the three mistakes was a bit of a tough luck play because of the stick thing, but... Three three major mistakes on goals against from a winger in the third period. That is not acceptable. And uh, I wonder if we'll see Chase on instead of him in the next game. <laughs> it's possible, eh? Yeah. And you know, I mean, he showed some of his uh, his offensive stuff early in the game. He made he an absolutely gorgeous pass uh, up the wing to Nuge where Kara. Uh, was robbed on the doorstep in one of Georgiev's few saves. And, and uh, the, just the smarts of the distribution, and you go, oh, yeah, there's a veteran play there by uh, uh, by uh, 89 with the, with the flip pass into, into space. And, you know, he just got into a place where Nuge was going to skate onto it and have a chance to do something with it. So you see those kind of smarts in the offensive zone. It's not like he's a completely useless player, but... You know, when when you create one scoring chance, but then you're drilled for three goals, you know, the balance isn't really what you want to see. If you hear that rustling in the background, that's my son. He's uh, digging into the bag of chippets. He's having his New Year's Eve chippets. Um, so, uh, my son Daniel, he's a very nice kid. Uh, so, uh, yeah, Nooch, not as excuse me, Gagne, not his best moment. I've liked him, as I've said, I think, a few times in this podcast, I've liked his defensive play a lot more in this latest incarnation with the Oilers as opposed to his earlier time with the Oilers when he was absolutely one of the worst defensive hockey players I've ever seen. He's he's a, he's actually, I think, an above-average defender now. He's very conscientious, and, and he just he just had a couple brain cramps, and hopefully, like, this isn't a pattern with him, is what I'm trying to say. He just had a bad night, and hopefully he will not have another one. He can't afford to have many more because he's not a, that's he's got to be responsible defensively or he's got very little you know his, his offense isn't great and he, he just can't afford to play like that. He's a better defender as a winger than he was as a center. He's uh, he's moved down what Bill James would call the defensive spectrum to be given a you know a, a, a less difficult defensive position to handle and it was the only way to. Uh, uh, for it to work with him because he was exposed as a center. We saw that over and over again in the yeah. time here. And he's basically been a winger since he was traded out of here in 2014. But I just don't think they have a room for him on the bench to uh, do the DH job. So he still needs to, you know, contribute defensively uh, from the winger position. And as you say, uh, he hasn't been uh, he hasn't been bad most nights, but tonight was not good. All right, what is your number? Oh, yeah, I'm going to go with uh, six block shots from Eason Bear, who I saw pretty good in this game for the most part. He got an assist. He was plus two. Uh, he did have four giveaways, as did his partner, Oscar Kleffbaum, where they had trouble uh, um, uh, controlling the puck for the order. So, I mean, that's a bit of a black mark. But I, I thought he won a lot of races to pucks, and he was uh, one of the more efficient battlers. That the orders had. They lost. They lost too many battles in this game. But I didn't see him on the losing end of 
that many and, and uh, getting in the shooting lanes. I mean, the Oilers defenders among them had <clears throat> eight, 19 block shots just for the defense. And, uh, yeah, so they stopped almost as many as Koskinen. Wow. So, and, and Ethan yeah. there was the leader in that department. He also led the team in even strength ice time. And shifts like it. I mean, he's he's clearly a key player in uh, Dave Tippett's scheme of things, and uh, he's he, uh, he's the Oilers' defenseman they can least afford to lose because he's in that top right shot spot. Um, I don't see anyone else being able to fill in. Like even Larson has been playing better, but he doesn't move the puck well enough, I don't think, to really carry that team. And, and Bear does. He's he, I really, uh, really admire Ethan Bear's game, the way he's improved and the way he's playing. He's just such a crucial player for the Oilers. And I thought he had a he had a good game again tonight and uh, good to see. All righty, Bruce, my number is 21 and 21. So after 42 games, the Oilers have clawed their way back to real 500. They have as many wins as they have losses. And that's the mark of a playoff team in the NHL. That's what you have to be. And it, last year at this time, as, we, as we've talked about, the Oilers lost touch with Real 500. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, at this point last year, after 42 games, they had 20 wins and uh, 22 losses. So um, they were just in the process of falling apart. And this, this you know, if the Oilers had lost tonight somehow would have been a signal that the same, I think the same thing was going to happen. I, I I don't think they're the same teams because of, we've talked about this, Koskinen is much better in net. And as long as he can still be much better in net, the defense is much deeper. So they can survive, I think, if they lose a player or two. And the penalty kill, the, the bottom six is better. They're faster and better at checking than the group last year. So there's a c- couple of really significant differences. So, um, Good. This is what I like to see. I remember as a as a fan of the Oilers in the glory days, I remember the first couple of years in the NHL, the Oilers couldn't get to 500, couldn't get to 500, and then finally they clawed their way to 500. And it was such a significant moment. It is a significant moment for any team when you can get to real 500 and stay there. And that's got to be the goal for the Oilers this year. Get to real 500 and stay there. Just do whatever you can. Make that your focus. And so, I'm, hey, they got back to it. They're back there again. They don't have that cushion like they had from the first part of the year. They're going to have to earn a cushion. But, um, man, I just, I just, that's what I just desperate to see as an older fan is real 500 this in, uh, in 2020. Yeah. Well, they're going to have to uh, tighten up on the defensive end of the rink. Uh, you know, they, they've, yeah. they've had so many five goal against kind of games. Lately, I mean, tonight they actually did outscore their mistakes, but, uh, you know, that's not something that's going to happen too often. But um, uh, they are hanging around, you know, 21 home games, 21 road games. They got 23 points at home, 23 points away. Uh, So what that means, of course, they're doing better on the road than they are at home because overall home teams should win about 55% of their games. But they're... um, uh, you know they're they're in there at least. Uh, I I've got to be convinced that they're they're here to stay. And I, I I came out of tonight less convinced than I was before tonight. To tell the truth, I'm I'm, I'm really kind of rattled by how that game went. 
I'm, I don't know. I'm always kind of optimistic, I guess. I, I think they can do it. I think that they can do it. I think that these guys, these three big centers can put their minds to it and get the job done and lead the team. Um, they McDavid really got serious about doing that last year at about this time. He he really, you know, talked about it at least. You know, just his drive to win really became apparent. And I just think that he's going to will this team into the playoffs, Bruce, into real 500 this year. And tonight was an indication of that for me. So I think we're going to see more and more games like this from Connor McDavid. Not just fantastic attacking games, but strong two-way games. I hope. Okay. All right, Thursday against the Sabres. That's the next game? Yep, sure is. And Saturday morning, I think it's the morning, 11 a.m. against Boston Yikes. on Saturday. It's it's either 11 our time or... Anyway, I think, yeah, I think it's morning for us, Saturday. And then uh, it's a long road trip, but they have... There's no back-to-backs in it, so... We'll just see how Mikko Koskinen's leg feels tomorrow morning. Um... I wonder if it's like time a, to go with Smith anyway. Well, he'll probably play one of the games. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Koskinen played out of 14 games in December. Koskinen started 11 of them. So he's clearly been tabbed as the number one guy, at least while Smith gets either A, healthy, or B, his stuff together uh, between the pipes. And I think it's a little bit of column A and a bit of column B. He got hurt on November 30th against the Canucks. And he hasn't played well since that. I really thought they might take Comrie from Winnipeg when he was put on waivers. Mm-hmm. It's it was just free money lying there on the table. They could have grabbed it, and the, you know, um, but that's based on my Such belief that Mike Mike Smith is done as a goalie. Mm-hmm. Well, they didn't have to trade any assets. He just had to pay his contract this right. year and next, which is a significant amount of money. It's I think it's seven hundred thousand, whether he goes to the AHL or not. But I just I just thought they should do that just as a out of an abundance of caution even because where else are you going to get a goalie for nothing and one for nothing but you can probably get one for a third or fourth round draft pick we made that trade about 30 times yeah well why why not hold like they, they're so keen on holding onto their draft picks just take Comrie and maybe they didn't want to piss off smith maybe they think oh well you know um, they got we got this veteran. He's a proud veteran, and we're going to give him a couple more chances here. But then you give him a couple more chances. If he doesn't come through, then you then you got to trade a, a pick for him. Just just you know, I don't. I I like much of what Holland did there, but I thought that was a missed opportunity. Did anyone take him? I don't think they did, eh? No, he actually cleared this time. He's been claimed on waivers. He's got a couple he's times around the league all year. He hasn't played he well. Ha- right? He hasn't played well, and I mean so. It's all well and good to say, well, we should claim him and put him down in Bakersfield, but the only way you claim him is to keep him in the NHL. Well, that's it. And and they didn't want a three-headed monster. And Would you yeah, have taken there's, him? There's always, it's always a human relations aspect, especially, I think, to waivers, because you're making statements about your team and about your depth yeah. and about guys in your farm team to say, well, we think this guy that's no not good enough to play for... This other NHL team is better than anything we got, so we're going to go and get that guy. And I, I think that's, you know, it's uh, it's it's going to sting. Uh, and, and I mean, maybe sometimes it's a message that needs to be delivered, or maybe sometimes a player that comes down is just too good, or he just fills the need that you have just right that you should roll the dice on him. But I think there's a reason why the vast majority of waivers 
you know, most guys clear waivers and they clear all 30 teams when they do, right? When they don't clear, usually just one team claims them out of the 30 or maybe a couple. But, you know, most teams just don't touch waivers. How uh, often do they work out? Like one in 10 times, Do you does a waiver wire pickup work out? Is that, would that be a fair guess? Yeah. I think it's a fair guess. Well, they help some, but, you know, they don't, they don't never move the needle. What was that one that the Maple Leafs got a few years ago that everyone's saying, oh, the Maple Leafs are so brilliant. They took this guy, uh, what was it, Frank Corrado or something, I think his name was. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. And he, <laughs> and he played two games and he sat in the press box for 80. Yeah, the legend of Frank Corrado was way oh, hardcore. Oh, Frankie Corrado, yeah. yeah. I think, I mean, Paul Byron, he's about as good a case as you can get where Montreal nabbed him on waivers. See, sometimes they do work out, don't or, they? Or Ray Whitney. When the Oilers waived him after uh, eight games as the Oiler, and uh, he got picked up and uh, went on to score 60-some points for the next 10 years in a row. I just like this one. He's a 24-year-old he's a goalie, and um, he was 9.17 save percentage in the HL last year, Like unless they know he's hurt or something. But you can't waive someone if he's hurt, I don't think. So um, I just – I would have liked to see them take him and – you know, maybe maybe Mike Smith will shut me up. I hope he does. Shut my big fat mouth uh, with his play in Buffalo on Thursday night. So well, maybe Kat, that'll maybe that'll happen. Cat Silverman, who's an expert on goaltenders, um, she was saying on the Low Tide show a while back that Smith is is extremely erratic. That he'll have spells where you think he's never going to make another save in his life, and then he'll bounce back and he'll be good for a while. And she said, "You're going to have to." going to have to bear with him at times now i don't know that anybody expected to be as long as the slump that he's in right now but uh i mean words of wisdom from someone who knows goldie so hopefully she's right um we've had one good month and two terrible months so uh we need another good month asap or he's done like i do i don't think they can wait a whole heck of a lot more this team is battling for a playoff spot this year And they, they, they should be serious about making it. So, anyway. All right, Bruce. Well, uh, thanks for talking tonight. Yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. Happy New Year to everybody out there. And may the next decade bring uh, joy and riches to Oilers fans. Indeed. Well said. Thanks, Bruce. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.